early to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams, and you're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, um, you know, <clears throat> we're at a crossroads in our country, folks. Uh, we are at a crossroads in our country, and um, I, I don't really think anybody knows exactly where this is all going to um, end and uh, where where we're going to end up. <clears throat> with this, but we are at a very critical situation. This is what you get when you have election fraud. This is what you get when you have rigged elections. This is what you get when you allow outside parties like George Soros and globalists like Klaus Schwab and corporations like BlackRock and Vanguard and all these big corporations who've gone woke for a reason. And again, <clears throat> we have to understand why it is that this wokeness is happening. Why Dylan Mulvaney is on the can of a on the face of a can of Bud Light. I mean, why in the world did we go from Clydesdales, like perhaps the most masculine image, to a freak show in a trans? You know why? How? Why is that happening? Why is it that these corporations, you know, support and endorse Black Lives Matter when all they do is burn crap to the ground? Why? And that's really the question, right? Why? Why in the world do these very educated um, educational professionals why do they think that trans storytelling to your children is a good idea why where did that come from that happened overnight of course we know that it's a mission we know that it's a strategy we know that we are under attack that parents aren't terrorists who object to trans storytelling 
And and the problem is is why? What's the motivating factor? What are they after? What what's their goal? How does that help them win friends and influence people? How? And of course, we know that they can't win elections based on those principles, except the diehard radical left that says, okay, we're going to push for this trans development and uh, we're going to get somewhere with it, right? It's a militant group. It's a it's a voter base lockdown. You know, they're going to lock it in. You know, it wasn't uh, it was Lyndon B. Johnson that said we're going to pass this civil rights law. The one that they rejected 10 years prior because they didn't want the Republicans to get the credit. And then they finally passed it and they said, we're going to own those. And then they used the N word for the next 200 years. We got a lock. Basically, this is going to be a boondoggle. This is going to be a big win for the Democrats. We're going to own the black population. And the black population allowed themselves to be owned by slave owners. <laughs> I mean, you can't make it up, but that's exactly what happened. Black people been answering to people like Joe Biden for a long time. And that's exactly what they're doing. SEIU, you know, those student unions, um, uh, teachers unions. And they're almost like warlords. They're, they're like uh, troops, militant, rigging. We'll do anything you say, Massa. They'll do anything that Biden says. We'll, uh, we'll keep you all locked up in chains is what he said. You know, I mean, Biden is one of the most racist, discriminating, segregating people. If you listen to the history, his history of how he talked about 7-Eleven, you got to have an accent. He talked about locking you all up in chains. He said, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. Right. He is perhaps one of the biggest racists on the planet. Yet somehow the black people, the black voters support him and not President Trump, who's basically been on the right side of race and being indiscriminate since the beginning of uh, his life. He's, he doesn't have a racist bone in his body. He even said, I'm the least racist person on the planet. And I actually believe him. And, you know, it uh, reminds me of when he picked a fight with uh, uh, the Ball guy. Uh, last name is Ball. I forget his first name. But his son was playing for UCLA and uh, shoplifted or did something in China and was going to be in big trouble. And next thing you know, um, he releases and gets the, the gets the kids to come home free without any serious business and the father says well it wasn't Trump that really did it and then Trump and this guy got into a fight uh, you know on Twitter or something like that and it was good because he was basically engaging with a regular Joe you know a black father and not afraid of ruffling the feathers or stepping in it because too often politicians won't even touch 
the third rail of politics, which is race. You know, they won't touch it. They they won't uh, treat them like an equal. They treat them like an equitable arrangement, not equal equal. Anyway, but that's digress. <clears throat> the thing is, is we find ourselves in a place that's sort of uncharted territory. Perhaps one of the biggest stories beyond Donald Trump getting indicted and all that. To me, that's one of the biggest stories of our time. Yes, true. But the other biggest story of our time that nobody seems to want to talk about is the dollar as the standard. And what I'm afraid of is I'm afraid. I I, I am fearful to the nth degree. I mean, I can't tell you how concerned I am about the idea that uh, our dollar is no longer going to be the standard and what that's going to do to our country. Are we going to be, you know, is our dollar going to be worthless when it's no longer the standard? Are we going to end up like Venezuela or Argentina where it costs $10 for a loaf of bread? doesn't matter how much money you make. Already, you have to understand that our economic picture is bleak. One of the biggest problems that we're facing, and we're about to face it, it's going to be devastating. Because all the sanctions that we have put out against Russia haven't really hurt Russia, because... Russia has so many resources that they could sell. Oil being their main one, but they have a lot of other uh, minerals that they sell. And they have partners. And one of the most perplexing things to me is the development out of Brazil. And I say that because, you know, Around here, we're anti-globalists, like G7, the G7 nations are all globalists. And I always said that Trump wanted to bring Russia into G7 and make it a G8, and that would have given us leverage over Russia, and that would have prevented the Ukrainian war, that would have prevented the uh, New World Order, that would have prevented a lot of stuff. And they always said that the leader of Brazil, Bolsonaro, was the Trump of the tropics. And Trump and Bolsonaro were, you know, kind of like cut from the same cloth. And, and, and again, he lost in a rigged election in Brazil. And so you're like, okay, now the installment that's in Brazil is a radical liberal socialist dictator. And people are going to be leaving Brazil and so on and so forth. But what I can't, and I, I, I have been thinking about it and thinking about it, and, and I cannot square it yet, but I will. I'm still trying to figure this out. What, how this came about, because Brazil now has a socialist dictator uh, that beat out Bolsonaro in a rigged election. And Biden likes the new guy, 
Not he didn't like Bolsonaro. He likes the new guy. And Biden and Trudeau are globalists from the north northern hemisphere here, North American hemisphere. And you know, and then all of the G7 nations. So my point is is that now Brazil is lined themselves with BRICS. Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. But the 20 nations that are associated with BRICS. And BRICS has now surpassed the G7 in terms of dominance, in terms of worldwide GDP. And all of the petroleum com- countries, all the uh, liquid national ga- natural gas and all of the oil com- com- countries... Russia, Saudi Arabia, Iran, are all aligned against, against, um, they're all aligned against G7 now. And so they're using the yuan, the petro yuan or the yuan, and they're using a different currency. So if Brazil's new leader was you know, aligned with globalism <clears throat> and the globalists and supported by the globalists, then why did they betray the globalists and go with Russia and China, you know, and India and 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 Pakistan even, right? We had a long understanding with Pakistan. But of course, what what did we do? We 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 uh, took Imran Khan and we trashed him. We just threw him out because he wanted to buy his oil from Russia, and we overthrew the leadership there, and we overthrew the leadership in Afghanistan too. I mean, the foreign policy and the national security associated with the Biden administration has got to be the worst. I mean, we have China doing figure eights with their balloons around our uh, security um, top secret installations in America, and we do nothing about it. And we're spending more money on weapons in Taiwan right now, and McCarthy's over there and stuff like that, and McFowl and, and a bunch of a different uh, like a delegation. And you wonder what, what that's all about. <clears throat> like giving um, giving Taiwan a billion dollars in weapons is going to make a difference. Like they're going to be able to defend themselves against China. Like fat chance. I mean, why even buy one bullet when all the bullets in the world aren't going to be able to defend against China? China's so big, so powerful. Why even bother? Right? I mean, but... Of course, if you take if you if you skim, you know one percent off of a billion dollars, you you know you're, it's a it's a big chunk of change for the politician who's getting his palm greased. So that's what that's all about. It's just shady business. Taxpayers footing the bill for kickbacks on the uh, for the politicians who are getting lap dances by Asian women in Taiwan. I mean that's what it's all about. They're just rocking and rolling over there in Taiwan, having a good old time on on your on the sweat of your brow. And that's 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 really what it's about. Uh, I don't believe that there's any strategic value whatsoever 
in this whole Taiwan thing that's happening right now. And meanwhile, we have a uh, <clears throat> President Trump, what's happening to him. We have nothing really happening. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we have nothing really happening with uh, Joe Biden and his son. What was the when was the last time that Hunter Biden swore under oath that he was going to tell the truth and gave testimony? Let me ask you another question. When was the first time that he did that? Do you recall, can you recall? New. No. See, it never happened. It's never happening. And this is why I'm getting a little bit sick and tired of the Republicans making a bunch of promises and achieving nothing. I'm getting sick and tired of it. But we are about to have an economic collapse because um, <clears throat> one of the things that's happening is we're out of our strategic reserve. We sold some of that oil from our strategic reserve to China. And that's, that was just basically a kick in the can down the road uh, kind of business. So the Fed is raising the rates to curb inflation. But inflation is going to go up again, despite the lack of um, purchase, uh, consumer, pre- uh, consumer purchases because of oil. <clears throat> Shipping is going to go up. The cost of sweaters is going to go up. The refineries are going to be uh, more expensive You know, the, when they refine uh, for different products. I mean, oil... And petroleum are used in plastics and sweaters and nylons and different materials. Shipping, receiving, Amazon's laying off like crazy. You know, you all this noise that's going on around us because Amazon's moved into Crystal City in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, they put a halt. This is something that you might not know because I live here. And... They put a halt on phase two. The whole big campus that they were going to build right next to the Pentagon, they put a halt on that. They laid off 18,000 people last year. They just laid off another 9,000 people, Amazon. And they put a pause, a literal pause, on the, um, the main campus, which, if you look it up, was supposed to be this spire with trees inside it, and it was going to be this eco-friendly campus. It was going to be a sight to behold. And already we know that commercial real estate is under the gun. They are the ones that are struggling the most right now. And then real estate, uh, residential real estate is going to follow, and jobs are going to follow that. So the things that are about to collapse are happening. <clears throat> and let me tell you something, commercial real estate right now is going to be devastated. I could tell you right now there's a company called JBG Smith that owns all this property and all of their properties are empty. They were building properties in our area to support 25,000 new employees at Amazon. And now that Amazon put a pause on the main campus to be built. All of these other independent contracted uh, developments are going to go up, 
because they're being built right now as we're speaking. I'm listening to a jackhammer right now. They're tearing one building down to build up another one. And let me just tell you something. They, uh, they're building these things because they thought that 25,000 new people were coming here and there was going to be new businesses and stores to support those people. So in essence, it was going to be more like 50,000 people. Well, if they don't build that, it's going to be empty spaces and the commercial real estate is just going to take a nosedive. It's, it's happening right now. Look up CRE, commercial real estate, and c- commercial mortgage uh, banks, uh, CMBCs. Uh, uh, look, look it up, the commercial real estate market. It's collapsing before your very eyes. And so what the Fed is doing is raising the prime rate to slow down the economy, which is going to cost people their jobs. But what is going to happen is they're going to have to raise the rates more than they thought, I believe, because inflation's not going to go down because oil prices are going to go up. Saudi Arabia, we're at the mercy and dependence of Saudi Arabia, who's now aligned with China and not the U.S., and the OPEC nations are basically looking at Biden's America as a banana republic. And America can no, no longer be trusted because they wielded and used their dollar standard to sanction everybody like a bully. And now the dollar is basically like, well, we got to get off the dollar because America just uses the dollar as a sanctioning tool. To, you know, if you, if you don't go woke, you go broke. Like if you if you say trans if you don't say that he's a they instead of a he, we're going to sanction you. You know, I mean they punish. America used this. I remember when Rex Tillerson was uh, Trump's first Secretary of State, and he was asked about sanctions, and he said sanctions could be good or bad. They could hurt you as much as they can help you. It depends on how you do the sanctions. And the morons that are in play right now at the State Department and Blinken and uh, Jake Sullivan and Biden himself are the dumbest people on the planet. And they don't know foreign policy if it smacked them in the face. They don't know crap. And that's the problem, is these sanctions have not only hurt America, but it helped Russia because Russia is immune to the banking collapse that's about to happen in the West and strengthened China, who took advantage of this opportunity, aligning themselves with Russia, a very rich country when it comes to oil and and, uh, other things, while the G7 countries go woke with their climate initiatives, despite the fact that they're destroying our earth with blowing up pipelines all over the place and methane gas going all over the Atlantic. So you can go on and on with this. I mean, I can go on and on with the uh, amount of disgrace America has become. But it's, it's not just about internal politics. It's about how... Other countries are seeing us, looking at us, and they're not respecting us. 
they're looking at the dollar and they're wondering if it's even good, right? They don't know what the value of this dollar is going to be. They don't because once we lose the dollar standard, we have nothing. We become Venezuela. We become Argentina. We become a developed nation. We become a third world banana republic with rigged elections and everything else. And at that point, why would you even want to live here? We, we're not going to be able to defend ourselves with a trans military because we got all these radical lefties that want to go woke, you know, talk about they want to focus on white privilege and trans development in our military. It's absolutely absurd. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is more important than military strength. All right, so I'm going to start playing some clips. Uh, I want to play this Ned Ryan clip one more time. I want you to hear it one more time. I played it last week. I want to play it again today. And uh, just to remind you of where we are right now. Well, they're targeting a political opponent over policy differences. The un-American left is ushering in a new era of pure power politics uh, in which they've decided rule of law, equal application of it is dead. I I would argue, Tucker, we're we're really living an illusion of a constitutional republic than an actual reality of it. And now the the real rules of the game are 100 percent laws of weapon. And I think the real question I have is, are red state AGs and DAs prepared to wage this war of lawfare? And I don't want to hear any of them say, ooh, it's icky, we're better than that. If Whoever says that, I really believe doesn't know what time it is, because we're in a Cold War, Civil War era in this country uh, in which we have to decide and commit to the policy of mutually assured destruction. Democrats are launching nukes at us. We better decide we're launching nukes back at them until they stop. And if we don't do it, if we don't understand, right now we have two sets of laws, a bifurcated legal system, in which one side gets the entire legal system thrown at it, go to jail, and the other one gets to skate free. And if you don't fight it, and if you just accept it, we will slouch our way into a one-party state, one-party system, which ultimately ends up in authoritarianism. The stakes here, I I can't even begin to tell you how deep and how consequential the stakes are of what's taking place now. And I have to tell you, Tucker, my greatest fear is that too many Americans, too many Republicans are asleep in the light and don't understand what's going on. And if they don't wake up and don't know what time it is, we will find ourselves on that path to one state party, one party state in authoritarian government. Yeah, probably not the best time to give up your AR-15. And I think most people know that. Um, don't give up your guns, is what he just said. And uh, that's probably good advice. Um, don't give up your guns. Um, so, ex-White House spokesperson Ari Fleischer said this, I earnestly hope, again, to that tune, okay? Ari Fleischer said this, I earnestly hope conservative prosecutors in rural areas of America indict Bill Clinton indict Hillary Clinton, indict Hunter Biden. The only way to stop this thing that's happening to Donald Trump and return the nor- to the norms is for one side to realize if they go too far, the other side will match them. The Republicans cannot unilaterally disarm. You can't 
let them try to interfere in the 2024 election by doing to Donald Trump what they're doing. The Democrats are violating the norms, and they're especially doing it through the case, this case in Manhattan. So basically, he's basically saying the same thing as Ned Ryan, which is we cannot let this stand. We have to make them feel the pain. And if that weren't enough, there's some other big news that's going on right now that's new that you are likely not aware of. And that is the long-awaited Fed digital payment system is set to launch in July. It's called FedNow. FedNow, the Federal Reserve's digital payment system, will debut in July. The system will allow bill payments, money transfers, and other consumer activities to move more rapidly and at a lower cost. So the Federal Reserve's digital payments system, which is promised but which it promises will help speed up the money the way money moves will debut in July. So FedNow is as it will be known will create a leading-edge payments system that is resilient, adaptive, and accessible. So, the problem with that is that is digital currency. So, and here it is. This is also what the 80 billion and 87,000 IRS agents, and I've been telling you this for a year now. I said, what this 87,000 agents, IRS agents, an $80 billion expenditure... What it was always about was to roll out digital currency. That's why they wanted that personnel. See, I've been saying it. I was probably one of the few people that said it. Everybody else was saying, they're going to get these agents to audit middle-class taxpayers. That was what they wanted you to think. But what they didn't want you to talk about was the fact that they're rolling out central bank digital currency that's they didn't want you to talk about that because that's what they were doing and here it is fed now is that <clears throat> this is also what the 80 billion dollars and eighty-seven thousand irs personnel upgrade was all about the fed just announced it will introduce its fed now central bank digital currency in july cbdc's grease the slippery slope to financial slavery and political tyranny while cash transactions are anonymous a cbdc will allow the government to survey all our private financial affairs the central bank will have the power to enforce dollar limits on our transactions restricting where you can send money, where you can spend it, and when money expires. A CBDC tied to digital ID and social credit score will allow the government to freeze your assets or limit your spending to approved vendors if you fail to comply with the arbitrary diktats, vaccine mandates, for example. Remember, we were saying that the vaccine passport was all about Social credit score systems. Remember when we were saying that? They're tying it in. Remember how they're using TikTok to enforce the Restrict Act, which gives government full control over all of your 
um, privacy online. And so when you have the Restrict Act and when you have the Patriot Act and, you know, like never let a good crisis go to waste, right? But when you have the Patriot Act in the wake of 9-11 and the Restrict Act uh, because of TikTok and um, then you have this, uh, this FedNow system, you know, this is g- giving them total control. If you have these vaccine passport systems, Right where you can't travel unless you get uh, you're vaccinated, and the digital uh, ID will tell uh, the uh, gatekeepers whether you're allowed to travel or not. And did you say a bad word? Did you uh, are you considered a uh, a, a uh, domestic terrorist because you didn't want your child to be exposed to transgender storytelling? So they're doing these things, these weird things. For a reason. And the reason is, is they're sort of calling you out. They're getting you to expose yourself when you speak up against something. And they right away then target you. So it says, the central bank will have the power to enforce dollar limits on our transactions, restricting where you can send money, where you can spend it. And when money expires, if you buy too much carbon footprint, right, then you'll get taxed. If you buy too much um, carbon footprint, you might get rejected. You've had enough. You've exceeded your carbon footprint for the month. The Fed will initially limit its CBDC to interbank transactions but we should not be blind to the obvious danger that this is the first step in banning and seizing Bitcoin as the Treasury did with gold 90 years ago, today, in 1933. Watch as governments, which never let a good crisis go to waste, use COVID-19 and the banking crisis to usher in a new wave of CBDCs as a safe haven from germ-laden paper currencies as, or as protection against bank runs. So you, you, won't, you won't be allowed to get your money if there's a bank run, run, on, run on the bank, for example. And again, it started with this COVID thing, the vaccine passports. We knew that this was a social credit score scheme. And this is why I didn't want to participate But I wasn't going to be allowed to travel if I didn't get my COVID shot, which I never did. I never got the shot. I never got the shot. In part because I was ill, as you all may know, um, with my spine problem. And I didn't want to take anything that was going to disrupt all the blood work that I had going on. But for the most part, I didn't want to participate in the social credit score system. I didn't want to give them what they wanted because it's you know going to be turned on its face. So I want to play some more clips. This is, uh, again, this is um, Marco Rubio sitting in his car, very like cameo kind of deal. And he says, today is a bad day. He's talking about Donald Trump. Let's take a listen to what he has to say. Put aside for a moment whether you like Trump or not like him, whether you're for him or not for him. Today is a bad day for all of us. 
Today, American politics crosses a line that it's never going to come back from. After today, after today, especially on the basis of how ridiculous these charges are, after today, every prosecutor in America that wants to make a name for themselves now is going to have permission to basically go after someone in the other party. What's going to stop some Republican or conservative prosecutor now from saying, well, now I'm going to go after Joe Biden or his family or Bill Clinton or Hillary Clinton or Nancy Pelosi, whoever? What's going to stop them? Nothing's going to stop them because today we set a new normal. Today we set the new normal that if you really want to take someone down, nothing should stop you. You should be able to manipulate the law any way you want to charge someone. And what really is damaging is that the charges here are absurd. You're talking about a misdemeanor, if proven, a misdemeanor that had a statute of limitation that expired. So this prosecutor has decided to link it to a federal charge, election law charge, that the federal government decided not to pursue. And all of it built on the testimony of a convicted liar, of a convicted liar. And so people see this for what it is. It's political, but it's more than just political. It's poison to our country. It will permanently change politics in America forever. We are going to regret this day, whether you like Trump or not, we are gonna regret this day for a very long time. We are setting a new normal, a damaging new normal, that is going to disfigure American politics and put us on a destructive road. We are going to regret this day for a very, very long time. Well, if we do have a civil war, guess what? They don't have 81 million votes, okay? We have 75 million, plus probably a lot more. They don't. Look at the ratings over Trump. I mean, people can't get enough of Trump, right? He is the oxygen in the room. And his stock is going way up. If there was a civil war, it would be nothing. These libtards that think that they dominate American politics, and they are, because rhinos have allowed them to get away with murder, um, wouldn't stand a chance against uh, the conservatives in America if it was a civil war. If we literally took off the gloves, put on the brass knuckles, pulled out our guns, and went to war. They don't want this. They don't want that madness. And neither do we. But if it gets to that point, uh, we will unleash hell on them. In any case, uh, let's take a listen to this. North Carolina Democrat Tricia Cotham is now a Republican. Let's take a listen. Modern day and by the way, I think that um, if Joe Manchin wants to get reelected by his constituents in West Virginia and even um, uh, Kirsten Sinema uh, in Arizona, I think that they ought to switch parties in light of the madness that's, that's happened. If they really wanted to make a statement and support America they would switch parties. Uh, They're moderates. They claim that they're moderates. They claim that they're, you know, independent thinking. Well, do the right thing. And hold them accountable to it. But they won't. They won't. They'll sit there and still caucus with the criminals on the left. But this woman here, Tricia from North Carolina... Democrat, Tricia Cotham, now a Republican. The modern-day Democrat Party has become unrecognizable to me, she says. Let's take a listen. 
modern-day Democratic Party has become unrecognizable to me and to so many others throughout this state and this country. The party wants to villainize anyone who has free thought, free judgment, has solutions, who wants to get to work to better our state, not just sit in a meeting and have a workshop after a workshop, but really work with individuals to get things done, because that's what real public servants do. If you don't do exactly what the Democrats want you to do, they will try to bully you. They will try to cast you aside. Modern-day Democratic Party has become unrecognizable to me. So it just looped there. But, uh, yeah, um, you never see um, these days. Remember the guy from New Jersey, uh, Ben, Ben, something or other? Um, there's been several uh, Democrats that moved to Republican. You never see a Republican moving to Democrat uh, because Democrat – Democrat, the Democrat philosophy has just become so outrageous and evil. Uh, let's listen to Carrie Lake. She made a statement. And I think the speech last night was a man who realizes the task at hand, realizes that he is, has to get back in, has to remain in to help guide America through this difficult time in history. And frankly, he's the only man. There's no substitute for Donald Trump. Right now, there's no substitute. There's nobody else who can jump in and fill his shoes. We need him back in the White House. We need him back to get America back on steady footing, not only domestically, where we have an economy that comes is pulled back from the brink of collapse, which is where we are right now. We need him on the world stage to get everybody back in line to where they need to be so that we're not teetering on World War III. I'm a mother. I, ha I have so many other things I could be doing besides jumping out here and getting attacked as well. But I'm looking at my children, and I hope someday my future grandchildren, and I want them to have an America. I want them to have our freedoms and our liberties. And this is a moment for everybody, as difficult as these times are, to jump in with both feet and fight like hell to save our country because we're on the verge of losing it. That's true. And, you know, she is on the verge of winning a very important court case re regarding uh, signature verification. That, to me, is she's going if she wins that. Literally, I think we might see something unprecedented in Arizona that that election will be overturned six months after it happened. It would be incredible. And, you know, because that's the where the voter fraud is. The voter fraud is in the signature verification. That's why they don't, you know, they, they no border wall and no voter ID law. That's that. That's exactly what the Democrats are about. See, the Democrats are, are importing voters through the southern border. And they're uh, basically giving them some sort of a, an ID through the CBP-1 app. They're collecting all this data and they're giving them an ID. That ID is creating a voter registration. And the voter registration, because they've now married the voter registration with uh, the, 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 you know, what they're, what they're saying is we're going strictly to mail-in balloting, Right. 
So when states say that, they're right right away committing voter fraud. I mean, they're fraud. They're they're just basically a fraud state. Any state that embraces this mail system, where your ballot your ballot's going to be mailed out to you to fill out, so you could drop it off somewhere, that is just total voter fraud right there. You know that you're in a state with voter fraud if they do that. Simple. So what happens is they register these illegals because the illegals get some sort of an ID. And every registration gets a ballot mailed out to them regardless whether they want it or not. And there's probably a designated address that it goes to. The ballot harvesters have a list. They know exactly when the mail when the mail went out and what address. And they go and pick it up. And then they fill it out and they sign it. And the signature has no check and balance whatsoever. So this is where the signature verification becomes a real critical part. And in Maricopa County, they set the signature verification threshold to 10%. If it matches 10%, it's good. Well, we know that's fraud. And I saw a whole bunch of these ballots. The signatures didn't even come close to matching. So this is where this is where the rubber is going to meet the road, honestly. So Tucker, Tucker Carlson snaps on Mitch McConnell. Um, this was a pretty good... Politicians uh, and... This was a pretty good episode uh, here. Let's take a listen to this. Politicians in Washington remain mired in their weird boomer World War II fantasies where they're all Winston Churchill and Zelensky's the head of the French resistance. We could give a million examples, but we can't resist once again the leader of the Republicans in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, last month. I'm going to try to help explain to the American people that defeating the Russians in Ukraine is the single most important event going on in the world right now. Defeating the Russians in Ukraine is not the single most important event in the world from the perspective of the United States. It's not even number 15 on the list. It's way below ending the importation of fentanyl into this country, and it's way, way below preserving the strength of the U.S. dollar. But if Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden and the rest of these reckless leaders have their way, an increasing number of countries will do what so many have already done, which is begin to reject the U.S. dollar. And what will happen then? Well, all those dollars will come home and the value of our currency will plummet even further. And that will lead to poverty across the United States. And that will lead to the typical political and cultural volatility that inevitably follows economic collapse. Disaster. And we've seen it before. Of course, you know, the famous pictures from Germany in the early 20s, banknotes and wheelbarrows. When I buy a cup of coffee, that'll be 30 pounds of currency. Kids playing with worthless stacks of Deutschmarks. That was called Weimar, the Weimar Republic. And that government collapsed because of hyperinflation. And then economic collapse led to communist revolutions across Germany and ultimately to, fill in the blank, the Nazi regime. See, Obama is in charge of this uh, mess. And I believe that, uh, I truly believe that um, what's happened in our country, it, the way you collapse a country like America is you break it financially. And the fact that we're losing the dollar standard as a standard 
is going to be it's going to be the biggest problem we've ever faced. And uh, Tucker talked about it for nearly 80 years since the end of the Second World War. The U.S. dollar has been the currency of the world. But what if it ended? Let's take a listen to this. For nearly 80 years since the end of the Second World War, the U.S. dollar has effectively been the currency of the world for our entire lifetimes. There was virtually no place on the entire globe you could go that would turn down a 20. Andrew Jackson's face beside the famous seal of the U.S. Treasury was probably America's best-known export, from Dar es Salaam to Sri Lanka to the smallest gold mining outpost in the Amazon basin. Every shopkeeper on earth recognized a $20 bill. The dollar was universal, and not just universal in commerce, though the majority of international transactions were conducted in dollars, but universally held as a long-term store of value globally. The world's central banks stockpiled U.S. dollars far more than any other currency. Now, most Americans may not have known that, or they did, but it doesn't matter what they knew. It was very good for everyone who lives here. Because there were so many U.S. dollars in circulation outside of the country, the cost of borrowing money inside the country remained artificially low. And that's one of the reasons that in this country, America, middle-class people could buy their own homes. The U.S. government, meanwhile, was able to run up astronomical debts without many obvious consequences. Now, from time to time, the Congress would debate something called the debt ceiling, but it was abstract. For most people, the entire topic didn't seem very relevant to their lives because for most of that time, it really wasn't. America printed the U.S. dollar. We controlled the global reserve currency, and that meant that for us, money was cheap. We had privileges that nobody else in the world had. It's been very nice, but what would happen if it ended? You don't even really want to think about that because the consequences would be too ugly, really ugly. But we started to worry about it about a year ago, really the day the Russian military rolled over the Ukrainian border. Now, by itself, that was a destabilizing event. War always is destabilizing and always challenges the existing order. But it was the West's reaction to the Russian invasion that seemed ominous. Policymakers in the U.S. went insane. Joe Biden, helped by his Republican allies in the Senate, appeared to be determined not simply to topple the Russian government in some kind of regime change war, but to blow up the post-war economic order that had served the U.S. so generously for so long. So we thought at the time that the real threat to our future wasn't just the billions we were sending to Zelensky. That was reckless, but probably not going to end America. The real threat was the unprecedented economic sanctions that Joe Biden was allowed to, in fact, encouraged to impose. Those sanctions, you'll recall, were supposed to hurt Russia. But even in March of last year, it seemed obvious they were going to hurt the United States much more than they hurt Russia. Here's what we said 13 months ago. We should prepare to lose our position as holder of the world's reserve currency. That is happening in slow motion. It's unmistakable. Now, the Biden people seem to have no idea this is going on, or maybe they want it to happen. Joe Biden was up there at the State of the Union bragging about how he took 30 points off the Russian ruble in a single day. Hooray! Good for us! But once we stop celebrating our win, the destruction of the Russian economy, they deserve it. You got to wonder, is there a downside to this? Could it be a Pyrrhic victory? Let's see. These policies have driven Russia, China, India, Turkey, and other countries to accelerate their flight from the U.S. dollar. Now, to be clear, that's the majority of the global economy. This may be the most reckless and destructive thing any American president has ever done to the United States. 
So that was last year, and at the time, it was really just yelling into the wind. Those views were considered absurd, even treasonous. Biden and his Republican allies described sanctions against Russia as morally essential. So we seized oligarchs' yachts at Anchor. We closed the Apple store in Moscow. We were all assured these were important victories, and anyone who asked questions about their long-term economic consequences was a Putin stooge. That was the consensus in Washington last spring in case you've forgotten what it sounded like. The purpose of the sanctions has always been and continues to be deterrence. But let's also recognize the unique nature of the sanctions that we have outlined. These are some of the greatest sanctions, if not the the, the strongest, that we've ever issued. The president believes that sanctions are intended to deter. As to the sanctions, um, the most important thing we can do is to use them as a deterrent, uh, as a means of dissuading Russia from engaging in further aggression. We are right now enforcing powerful economic sanctions. We're cutting off Russia's largest banks in the international financial system, preventing Russia's central bank from defending the Russian ruble making Putin's $630 billion war fund worthless. These people are such buffoons. And all the Republican senators nodding in agreement. You watch that and you wonder if they really believe what they were telling you. If they really did believe that they're stupider than they look. These sanctions were never going to work in the way they promised because, unlike the United States, Russia does not have a late-stage finance economy. Russian oligarchs do not get rich from credit default swaps. They get rich from selling actual things that people need in order to live. Oil, natural gas, iron, fertilizer, coal, wheat. By some measures, Russia has the largest resource economy in the world. Oh, okay. So they could barter if they needed to. So a year later, despite the sanctions you were told are the greatest ever devised, the Russian ruble is just as strong against the U.S. dollar as it was before the war in Ukraine. And that's the point, right? So that is the point, is these sanctions were feckless. They didn't work. And Russia's better off now being isolated from the collapsing bank, bank, uh, banks in the West. Um, so um, th- this is uncharted territory right here that we're in. And the biggest story is this, this whole thing about the dollar standard. Um, we are facing, we are, <laughs> I hesitate to, to, to speculate, but uh, it, it, it's looking scary. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out magapack.org. Make a donation if you can to support America First policies that make America great again. Use Red State over at mypillow.com as your promo code. And we'll see you next time. Just to bury my kids on the right radio. Bye bye, everybody. Next.